Welcome to the Talking, Learning and Teaching podcast. In this episode, we touch upon some of the important aspects when assessing from a UDL perspective. This podcast was originally recorded as a pre-recorded screencast, hence you will notice some references to various slides etc as if you were watching this on a screen rather than listening to it. However, because the content is quite useful and quite important and also supplements some of the other information that we've got on our Talking, Learning and Teaching YouTube channel such as our Ask the Expert series, I thought it would be useful to share as a podcast. Enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome to this session entitled The Elephant in the Room, Universal Design for Learning and Assessment. I'm Kevin Merry, Head of Academic Development at De Montfort University in Leicester in the UK. I've wanted to do a session on UDL and assessment for a while now. As per the title, I've often found that the issue of UDL and assessment is often the elephant in the room, the thing that we tend to be less clear on and confident with when considering UDL learning, teaching and assessment practices. The high stakes nature of assessment, the fact that it can make or break unit or even course outcomes for learners, and the fact that we are now largely held accountable for learner success in assessment means that we tend to be a little more risk averse when it comes to assessment, often sticking to tried and tested approaches that we can be confident are fair, equitable, robust and reliable. The irony here, of course, is that many of those safe assessment methods that we employ aren't always that fair, equitable or robust. So what I want to do today is perhaps move the conversation forward about UDL assessment practices, rather than have all the definitive answers about UDL and assessment. And I'll try to do this by examining several important areas which are... What is assessment and what is its purpose? Assessment and the UDL principles. Important UDL assessment considerations, so I won't focus on every single consideration, but will focus on some of the more important ones, such as the alignment of assessments with learning goals, flexibility within the assessment process, removal of assessment barriers, assessment for and assessment as learning, and authenticity in assessment. The final thing that I'll talk about is evaluating assessment. So, what is assessment and why do we do it? Well, assessment in the most basic sense is the intentional and methodical collection, interpretation and utilisation of information by teachers on their learners, relating to how well their learners understand a given topic or concept. Understanding in this sense may refer to what the learners know about the topic and it may also include their skills and abilities in relation to that topic. Or put more plainly, what the learners are able to do as a result of their learning. We should remember that all assessment is only an approximation of learning. Unfortunately, we can't look inside the brains of our learners to see if they've made the necessary neural connections that represent learning. So we do it indirectly, using assessments. Remembering that assessment is only an approximation reminds us that it is critical that we get it right. When thinking about UDL and assessment, it is important to think about the purpose of UDL, which is to support learners to become expert learners. Expert learning is about gaining mastery over content 
but it is also about knowing how to master content in a personalized way. Therefore, there is a learning to learn element about UDL. As such, I find it can be useful to split assessment from a UDL perspective into three forms. Assessment of learning, assessment for learning, and assessment as learning. Assessment of learning is effectively summative assessment and reflects the most common definitions of what assessment is. It is usually the best gauge of the mastering content part of becoming an expert learner and largely reflects the definition on the previous slide. Next we have assessment for learning which is formative assessment. This is largely about monitoring ongoing learning and progress through continual feedback. Feedback is usually qualitative and learner performance in formative assessments should regularly be used to adjust teaching strategies. Finally, we have assessment as learning. This is where learners assess themselves, monitoring their own strengths and areas for development. It is often said that if a learner cannot effectively self-assess or self-evaluate, then they can't effectively improve the level of their learning. So, if assessment of learning covers the mastery of content elements of being an expert learner, then assessment for learning and assessment as learning are useful strategies to support learning how to master content. Remember, with UDL, the goal of learning is separate from the means of achieving it, and part of the purpose of UDL is to support learners to recognize their personal means of achieving mastery. So, a useful starting point when thinking about assessment from a UDL perspective is to ensure that you are including all three elements in your instructional practices. So now let's turn our attention to the UDL principles. The action and expression principle of UDL is about providing multiple ways for learners to demonstrate their learning which of course has specific implications for how we design assessments as well as providing assessment options or even choices. So it's the principle most closely aligned with assessing learning. However, the remaining two UDL principles are also very important to consider when designing assessments. Engagement is about considering how we support interest, motivation and persistence with learning. Have you ever been set an assessment that you didn't find that interesting? In that scenario, would you have appreciated having an option to do something different? As such, it is important that we consider the extent to which our assessments interest or engage our learners. We will come back to ways to embed the engagement principle into assessment design later. The representation principle is largely about how we present information related to learning through study resources and materials. A useful way to think about the representation principle when designing assessments is to think about barriers. For example, are you providing the right background information or instructions for your assessments? I have literally lost count of the times I have marked work where the learners didn't understand the task because the instructions or background information were poor or they didn't understand what they needed to do when being asked to say critically analyze or evaluate. In this scenario a learning glossary would help them enormously for example. Are the learners provided with exemplars and clear rubrics? Are there multiple ways in which assessment information can be provided? It's a little bit like putting together a piece of flat pack furniture. 
I much prefer to follow a video than read the set of instructions that comes with the furniture itself. It's just useful to have both options because the written instructions alone aren't always that helpful. Again, we will come back to representation in assessments later on. The point here is that we must think about each of the UDL principles when designing assessments. So, the key thing that we must get right are that assessments should clearly and directly align with the goals of learning or the learning outcomes. Remember, learning outcomes or learning goals are what learners should be able to do as a result of their learning. Therefore, if the assessment does not measure that aspect very well, then we cannot be sure that the learners have learned effectively. Perhaps the first rule of assessing learning is to make sure that the focus is firmly on what is being assessed and whether the assessment method provides a true measure of learning for a given learning scenario. Too often, teachers focus on how learning will be assessed, giving lots of consideration to the method of assessment but paying less attention to how well the assessment reflects the goal or purpose of the learning. As mentioned, the goal or purpose of the learning will be articulated by the learning outcomes. As before, learning outcomes are what the learner should be able to do once they have completed some learning. Assessments should always be designed alongside learning outcomes so that they provide a clear and accurate measure of the intended goals for the learning experience. When the learning outcomes are clear, it is easier to provide flexible assessment options because they provide a clear construct upon which the assessment is based. The assessment construct is essentially the key aspect that the assessment intends to measure. Learning outcomes will form the assessment constructs, so it is really important that they are written well. As we will see as we go through this session, consideration of the assessment constructs is perhaps the critical element in designing effective UDL assessments. In fact, an accessible assessment is one in which only the assessment construct is being assessed. When this is the case, the same rubric can be used for different assessment formats. Consider the following example. An outcome which states, on completion of this unit, you will understand the anatomy of the human heart, is not very helpful because it does not really adhere to smart principles. Due to its vagueness, it's not really specific, measurable, achievable, realistic or timely. From an assessment point of view, it is challenging because understanding is difficult to measure if we are not specific about what we mean. If the outcome was something like, on completion of this unit you will be able to label the major anatomic structures found in the human heart, then it becomes much easier to measure from an assessment perspective. The outcome will have been achieved so long as the learners can label the major anatomic structures of the heart. Assessment in this scenario could take various forms, such as a fill-in-the-blanks type activity, matching activity, labelling activity or spot-the-mistakes type activity. From a UDL perspective, it is important to offer choices. If the learner has achieved the required understanding, which in this case is at the knowledge level of Bloom's taxonomy, i.e. do they know the major anatomic structures of the heart and their position within the heart, then they will be able to complete a range of assessment activities that assess that knowledge. 
Since the outcome states that learners will be, will be able to label the major anatomic structures found in the human heart, then perhaps the best assessment is to get them to do exactly that. The learner could be provided with a blank diagram of the heart, with a list of the major anatomic structures. They would then be required to place the labels in the correct place on the diagram. It is important to state that they should be given a list of the anatomic structures, rather than having to recall them from memory. The learning outcome states that they only need label the major anatomic structures, not recall them from memory. If the learners were required to recall the structures from memory, then this would add a potentially irrelevant construct to the assessment, because the assessment would be testing their ability to recall as well as label the diagram. It would also be testing their ability to spell the structures correctly too, adding another potentially irrelevant construct. Notice that when the outcomes and associated constructs are clear and easily identifiable, then it makes it easier to provide multiple assessment options. The previous example demonstrated how easy it can be to design assessments that possess irrelevant constructs. Irrelevant constructs are essentially those things that are assessed as part of an assessment but do not need to be assessed because they do not relate to the central purpose or construct of the assessment. Consider a biology exam where the main purpose of the exam is to test learner biology knowledge. If the exam was carried out under strictly time conditions, was unseen and closed book, and required the learners to handwrite their answers, then it would be unintentionally assessing several other irrelevant constructs. For example, the exam would be assessing learner handwriting and spelling, as well as assessing their short-term, long-term and working memory, and their ability to communicate in writing. If the intention was never to assess these aspects, then they could represent barriers to learners demonstrating their understanding most effectively. Irrelevant constructs probably represent the most prevalent assessment barriers. Other key assessment barriers include inadequate background information or instructions, limited options or a lack of choice in relation to assessment, varied social and emotional demands. The point of all this is to take a close look at your assessments and locate potential barriers. As mentioned, often the most prevalent barriers are irrelevant constructs. Now I want to talk about authenticity and what that means from a UDL perspective. In 2020, two colleagues here in the UK, Sally Brown and Kay Samble, developed a systematic approach to designing authentic assessments the foundation of which is that they should align fully with intended learning outcomes and engage learners in meaningful and constructive activities. Brown and Samble present a six-step process that encourages teachers to focus on six key components of the assessment design process. These are alignment with the learning goals, the inclusion of verbs that align with Bloom's taxonomy in learning outcomes or learning goals, an object for verbs for which to provide an action for student attention, clear evidence of achievement which would reflect rubrics or assessment information or instructions, developments so this is supplementary material or information to support and guide the learners in their completion of the assessments. Finally context 
professional context and occupational relevance should be central to the assessment creation. Many of the conversations we hear about authentic assessment focus on point six, context, ensuring professional and occupational relevance and making sure that assessments where possible mimic the skills required by learners in professional or occupational contexts. So here is an example of how we at De Montfort University tried to utilize this issue of occupational relevance in the design of an assessment as well as a number of other UDL features. For Module A of our Postgraduate Certificate in Learning and Teaching in HE, which is our in-house teacher training course for those new to teaching in HE, we used a patchwork style assessment methodology. For anyone that's unfamiliar with patchwork style assessment, learners complete patches of formative assessment throughout a unit or module, receiving feedback on each patch. The patches can then be woven or stitched together to support the completion of a subsequent summative piece. So the learners must create a standalone summative piece of assessment. They can't just submit the formative patches they have completed, but by completing the patches, they will have effectively done the work required of them in the summative piece. They just have to pull it all together. There were nine summative patches, and we said to learners that they could complete them in whatever format they wanted. If they wanted to write them, they could. If they wanted to create a video or podcast, they could. If they wanted to create a poster, they could do that. It was entirely their choice. We encouraged them to try using various digital formats, such as video, podcast or digital poster, because it would improve their digital capabilities and support completion of their summative assessment, which was a pre-recorded screencast. But they didn't have to use digital means. Learners received feedback on their patches from peers as well as provided self-assessment on their patches as well. As mentioned, the summative assessment consisted of a screencast recorded using our DMU Replay software, which is actually Panopto. We felt that getting the learners who were trainee teachers to create a screencast, which is a common learning resource in higher education today, had more occupational relevance than getting them to write an essay which is how the module had been assessed previously. I mean, when do you ever need to write an essay as part of your teaching practice? Use of DMU Replay is mandatory for our staff. They must record all staff-led teaching sessions. So the screencast enabled important practice with the software. The creation of pre-recorded screencasts was also essential in the move to remote virtual learning and teaching wrought by COVID-19. Finally, since a relatively large proportion of our cohort were international staff who were non-native English speakers, getting them to write an essay may have provided an additional barrier. So, the process of completing the patchwork assessment possessed many UDL elements, such as learner choice and flexibility in the patches, assessment for and as learning during completion of the patches, removal of barriers and occupational relevance and authenticity. Finally, the content of their screencast is about their personal learning journey as a teacher, so there is a personalised element to the learning. In instances where there is less flexibility in, this, in the summative assessment method, it is important to enable choice over the content. Recording using DMU Replay is a mandatory requirement, though if it is deemed inappropriate to record using DMU Replay for whatever reason, then colleagues can use an equitable alternative, as per our DMU Replay policy. As such, we offered students the same level of flexibility, 
So if they wanted to use voice narration over a PowerPoint, they could, or if they wanted to use an alternative software, they also could. I'm going to finish by covering evaluation of assessments to assess the extent to which they are universally designed. You can assess your existing assessments or you can evaluate any new assessments you create. Evaluations can be done in a fairly high-level way by addressing three key questions. The first is, how do you ensure your assessments are linked to the learning goals? This question will get you to reflect on the quality of your learning goals or outcomes as the basis for your assessment construct. This should then help you to make a judgment on whether the assessment is a good measure of the learning goals or outcomes. Question 2 is how do your assessments engage or interest the learner? As mentioned earlier, the engagement principle is about interest, motivation, persistence and challenge. As such, you may want to reflect on the professional or occupational relevance of your assessments. Do they reflect what professionals really do in your subject discipline? This is important because many learners tend to be drawn to subject disciplines because of the link they have to particular careers or job roles. Are the assessments relatable to the learners? For example, do they include culturally relevant ideas, issues or examples? Are there digital elements? Elements requiring engagements with social media or technology? Can learners engage with the assessment in culturally relevant ways? For example, are background information and instructions consumed in ways typical to the learning group? Or are they required to read lots and write lots? Finally, what barriers might learners experience when completing your assessments? We've already addressed some of the key barriers, such as irrelevant constructs, limited background information or instructions, limited options, and a failure to account for the emotional or social needs of your learners. You can also engage in a more deep dive form of evaluation where you can examine the manner in which learners engage with the assessment construct or constructs, specifically looking for any potential barriers that may be present in three areas. The first area is how the construct is presented to the learners. Take a look at the assessment brief, background information and or instructions. Is the assessment clearly linked to the learning goals? Is the assessment construct clear to the learner? Do they know clearly which knowledge, skills and or abilities are being assessed? You'd be amazed the amount of times I have worked with unit and course teams on their assessments and found this part severely lacking. Second is about how the learners interact with the construct. So, how are learners required to interact? How is the construct being presented to them? Do they have to answer a question? Do they have to read something? Do they have to look at an image? What is the stimulus that they must comprehend and act upon? Quite frequently, construct interaction exists in the form of a question that must be read and answered. Is this the only way that the construct can be interacted with? Finally, how are learners required to respond? How well do the learners interact with the construct? What is it they are required to do to demonstrate the knowledge, skills and or abilities being assessed? Are they required to engage with irrelevant constructs that could be barriers? Are they being assessed on anything that is not part of the assessment construct? So going back to our earlier example of the biology exam, 
the learners were required to respond to the construct by handwriting an essay-style answer to a question over a period of two hours, with no prior knowledge of the question and no resources to help them. Each of these things were identified as barriers. The point I'll finish on is an important one. Make sure you get your assessments reviewed. From a UDL perspective, I've often found the process of peer-supported review useful. Peer-supported review is a much more holistic way to gain feedback on your UDL teaching practices than just doing teaching observations alone. Peer-supported review includes teaching observations, but it recognises that learning is not limited to what happens in the classroom, and so broadens out the process to include review and feedback on any area associated with learning and teaching practice which might include review of assessments. In addition to teaching observations, peer-supported review includes peer review of other specific areas of practice. This might be your feedback, quality of resources, your virtual learning environment, etc. It also includes student review of specific areas of practice. As such, you can use peer-supported review to support your assessment reviews. Obviously you can use your peers, but I've found that the most powerful way to do this is to, is to use the learners. At the end of the day, the assessments are created for the learners. As such, their feedback is most important in this process. In summary then, to begin the process of creating universally designed assessments, ensure your assessments are aligned with the learning goals. Make sure learning goals are smart, and provide a clear assessment construct. Always include assessment of, for and as learning in your instructional practices. Make sure you look for and remove barriers. Remember that irrelevant constructs tend to be the most prevalent barriers. Always ensure a high level of professional or occupational relevance to engage the learners and make sure you assess your assessments using high level deep dive and peer supported review mechanisms. And here are some sources of further reading. And finally, here are some ways in which you can contact me via Twitter, my website, my podcast and my email address. Thank you ever so much for listening.